Hey, welcome back to the Blue Collar Off-Road Podcast, episode 18. I'm Graham. I'm here with Richie, Cody, and Luke. And I think we're going to go, it's going to be a quick one today. But, you know, based on a couple of things we've seen floating around on Facebook and just trying to cover some more ground that we haven't touched on too much uh, while we're running low on content here with the lack of wheeling and, you know, mid-projects, nothing fun happening, really between all of us um i think we're gonna hit you know suspension characteristics you know what's a what are desirable squat dive anti-squat anti-dive characteristics in a three link and a four link in your front and rear suspension luke i know you're doing the four link you're right in the middle of all of it it's right up your alley i've done the three link stuff before uh, I don't think it's nearly as intimidating as everybody makes it seem to be. It is other... sincerely not. And then other stuff like bump steer, you know, why why does your track bar need to be the same length as your drag link so you can drive well? And why should you not do a track bar on a... or not put a four-link front suspension in a track bar? Or a, sorry, I'm getting all confused already. A, a double triangulated four link with a drag link. With a with a drag link, yes. Why is that bad? What what are the potential problems there? Uh, All the there. things. I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a fun <laughs> one to uh, watch unfold on Facebook. <laughs> if you know, you know. Uh, and then the other bit we'll cover a little later, and I think we'll tie in pretty nicely. Is you know when we're looking at suspension components that are bolt on, and actually not even suspension components, you know. Any bolt-on product that you're looking for, a bracket, stiffeners, I guess, not bolt-on, but, you know, you, you they're pre-bent. Uh, just components you're buying. A lot of people I see on Facebook, it's like they have no critical thinking skills. They can't look at a product and look at somebody else's that's similar and, see, and figure out which one's better. They, they have to ask. Right? Yeah, that is an annoying thing with the... Uh dawn of the internet i guess that ties into our last episode's discussion about social media but it is extremely annoying the lack of critical thinking skills that are out there uh with the so like to bring it back to the suspension numbers so you had mentioned at the beginning of this uh like the anti-dive and anti-squat those are the same thing just in different directions if i remember correctly anti-dive would be for the front and that is the determination of the anti-squat, but when you apply braking forces to it. Something that in the rear, I'm not super positive about the effects of on the road, but I can't... I know that the power is more of an important thing. So in the rear, when you're talking about an anti-squat setup, or an anti-squat number, that's like the hypothetical number for when you hit the gas, what is it going to do? And 100 is considered a neutral point, meaning that the suspension is not going to have its geometry affected by the input of torque, if I remember correctly, as far as raising and lowering the body in proportion to where the axle is. Uh, Anti-dive would be, if I remember correctly, when you hit the brakes, the uh, propensity for it to like want to push the nose down when you... push the nose down, or, you know, if it... If you have no anti-dive, it, it just doesn't move at all. And a little bit is actually good, because when your vehicle doesn't do any sort of... Not a ton. You can't have a ton, because then it actually messes up, messes with your brakes. I've had that happen on on a stock Cherokee, actually. Was, I, don't, I, don't, I think it was bad shocks, but when it really dives, it's bad. It, it, it makes your... You lose a lot of braking power. But when it sits there like a brick, it's also not really good. You want to have a little bit. At least... Personally, I've found that a little bit of anti-dive is, or a little bit of dive is okay. You don't want a ton, but, you know. So, I have a lot of anti-dive up front, if I remember correctly. I think I'm somewhere in the realm of, like, 115, 120. I don't know. Yeah, I'm jealous of everybody throwing around their their charts. I don't know where my chart for my three-link went. That was one of those things where I, I built it, and then I put it in afterwards, and was like, Okay, I'm okay with those numbers. 
I gotta uh, check it again for my front, but I'm just going off of memory. The rear, I can tell you all about because I could like pull it up right now. But yep. the um, with my front setup, with the amount of anti dive that it has, it's not horrible. Like when I hit the brakes, it stays pretty damn solid, and it doesn't really pull the nose down that much. But it doesn't unload when I get the nose up either, which to me was a okay cost benefit trade because with the Super Duty axles, the brakes are big enough that it's a light Cherokee, and I'm saying light in terms of what those brakes are meant for. Um. Not to prattle on too much, but with the 100 being a uh, perfect energy transfer into the rear axle, so like it's not trying to dig too, or it's not trying to push the axle down or pull it up under load, and that is like the mark that everyone kind of shoots for. Um, I landed at 100 on the center hole, I think it was 77 on the top hole, and like. 115 on the bottom hole i don't know how there was that big of a jump when i went to the top hole i might have that number wrong but i know that it yeah, was pretty that sounds like it's a lot because uh, it depends on where you're adjusting it are you adjusting it from the body side body side yeah that's why see i can only adjust from my axle side and i only oh, get a okay. couple uh, up and down for each but i know on the body side if you raise it you get some Drastically. So, oh, so I'm sorry. What, it was 87. I just looked at it. <clears throat> yes, so Richie? So what would be a better number to look to, like, have? The 87 or the 115? Like, what side of that spectrum do you want to actually What do the numbers even mean? Uh, so what the numbers are is the... This, let me cut you off. This is actually good because I've messed with the numbers. I've built my own suspension or my own... Uh, link suspension for the front. You've done them, Luke. Richie has never done a link his own link suspension, and neither has Cody. So I think this would be this is actually kind of cool because if you guys have, you know, questions, you know, where's your where are you losing us, right? Because yeah. I I feel like it's once you know how to do it, it's easy. But for somebody who's listening, who's trying to build a suspension and doesn't understand half the stuff that Luke or Luke's talking about for the most part here, then if you have any questions, if you don't understand it, chime in and let's see if we can go somewhere with that. Well, the the big thing for me is just like I I understand all the numbers are coming off of the calculator offline, and I understand how to excuse me, I understand how to put all those numbers that are required into the link calculator. I don't understand what what the numbers I'm looking at. So, anti-squat is the mathematical equation for what your suspension is going to do in relationship to the center of gravity of your vehicle. On your average vehicle, it's going to be like your top crankcase bolt, uh, not crankcase, trans transmission bolt, if I remember correctly. So, what that number does is it's like forming a lever, if you will. And when you put power into that lever, where it is going to, um, or how it's going to react. So when you push down on that lever, if or you put power into it and it pushes downwards, that's going to be the product in the rear of a higher anti-squat number. And so when you have a higher anti-squat number, your suspension tries to push the axle into the obstacle or into the dirt. When you have a lower number, it tries to pick up the axle almost, if that so, makes so sense. So that's like the difference, that, that's the difference between the ass end of your vehicle lifting up or going down when you punch the throttle. Yes. Now, roll steer... Oh, okay. Roll steer and roll center determine the stability. Roll steer I can talk more about because I know more about it than I do with roll center. I believe the roll center is supposed to be in relationship to the center of gravity um, on the vehicle. And you want to get that pretty close to 
where your center line is like so for example i think my engine bolt uh the top bolts at like 38 inches and my roll center is like 30 inches right now so i know that the rear end is going to be kind of like a little bit loose feeling if i have my memory correct i might be wrong on that and someone that knows more is more than able to correct me what roll steer or i think it's called roll angle in the calculator is is the amount of side to side movement so like almost picture in your mind your suspension causing rear steer so with my current setup even though it's a double triangulated due to where my length spacing is to improve the stability by having a wider roll or uh to get the roll center better if i remember correctly that's what i was talking with tim about but um Wow, I just totally derailed that train of thought trying to remember what I was talking to Tim about. Holy fuck. I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I was going to cut you off cuz that was going into down the rabbit hole. Yes. <laughs> I am terribly sorry about that. We went so far down the rabbit hole that I was trying to remember shit from like 3 weeks ago, 4 weeks ago when I was first building that suspension. Are the numbers for the anti-dive front going to follow a similar fashion as the rear as yes a, you know a, a bigger number means the front end goes down more when you, you hit the brakes if i remember correctly yes and the so with a front where the anti-squat numbers really become noticeable are it'll start hopping if you have a low anti-squat number if you have a high anti-squat or high anti-dive i should say it's less likely to start hopping because your suspension is not driving that front axle into the ground as hard. Okay. Did yep. Does that sound correct to you, Graham? It does. And that's why I have more, um, more of a wheel hop when I'm going up stuff than you do. Because yes. I know I've got more of an anti or more dive than you do. Like, I hate no, calling you'd have, you'd have anti dive. Because you, your front would be pulling up, so it would not be diving. Because diving would be putting, it'd be putting, it would be using uh, suspension geometry to push your wheels down. Is so what? Would, never mind. That's fine. Yes. No. Actually, Cody is, <laughs> Cody is on the um, correct train of thought here. If you have more dive in the front end, if you will, or like more of on the diving side of the front end, your front end is trying to push that front axle down. So that's why you hop more. Gotcha. Um, so yeah. what do the numbers actually mean? Like, I get it. You go into the calculator, you type in your measurements, you type in this, you type in that. But then a number pops out. Is that a percentage? Is that a fraction of something? Is that a degree? So how I think of the numbers, and before Luke goes on to another, another tangent into some crazy <laughs> rabbit hole, which is fine. But how I view the numbers is if you're within a threshold, I view them as a tolerance. And everybody's got different – everybody has different opinions on what that tolerance should be. But, you know, I, I'd say in, sticking around 100, maybe in the – to the 80s and maybe 70s. I forget what my suspension is in the front, so I'm not going to say 70 or 80 because it's somewhere in that range, I think. Um, and it, as long as you're not – way out of proportion then you're fine but when you're working on especially in cherokees but i'm sure on other vehicles too there's certain constraints that you have to you can't work around especially if you're oh yeah to together you so, are 100 percent correct on that i gave up a lot to get my suspension where it is i had to cut through the floor in multiple spots like the back of my jeep looks like the trenches of world <laughs> yeah, war one there's, there's nothing i've seen pictures uh so I can fit through the sides. <laughs> <laughs> so what you can do is you can just put the links where you want them to be for the most part with minimal sacrifices made and still have a suspension that's going to perform great. It's just not going to be dead nuts on according to the link calculator. But half the people don't even know how to plug in their information into the Excel sheet anyways because it's so goddamn complicated. For somebody who doesn't know what it is or how to use it, 
or where to measure from, or what if your driveway's crooked, well, right? You're not going to get... Yeah, I mean, it, it looks <laughs> like it takes some people months to figure out how to put stuff into the link calculator. <laughs> I, I put it off because I don't, uh, I, I don't really enjoy sitting under my Jeep and uh, measuring and figuring out where I'm supposed to measure from, and it asks you for weird shit. I don't know. I, it it's really literally, it's, it's just off of the ground and distance from center line. It's not hard. You can do it in 10 fucking minutes with a flat surface. <laughs> Richie, I know that was a dig at Coxlayer off-road. And you just couldn't leave it alone. <laughs> oh, God, that's caught me yeah. two Facebook bans. But I'll wrap it there. It yeah. Is- I think you didn't answer my question. Just saying. What do you mean I didn't answer it? I you said, said it's that not... the numbers are a threshold, but what the fuck do the numbers mean? You it's said just how much you anti-squatter anti-dive. But what do the numbers represent? Is what I'm saying. They is represent the mass. Is no. it a scale that it's from like a hundred to zero, and anti-dive know. is zero, and max anti-squat is a hundred, so, and one hundred is nothing, and less is more, and more is less. So. All right. Basically, um, <laughs> not to go into the diatribe again, but if you had zero percent anti-squat, all of the vehicle's energy would go into pushing the rear axle away from the vehicle. If you had two hundred percent squat, all of that is going to go into torquing the vehicle up. More of a push down, better grip into rock. Less push down, less better grip in rock. Better and or better suspension performance when you get the nose up. Or when you go to soccer, punch it. Nah. So, okay. that That's all I needed. I just needed what the numbers represent. The numbers are on a scale of anti-squat to anti-dive, or which is the same thing. So dive to anti-dive. And that's yeah. what the numbers represent. Got it. Yeah. Understand. Yep. 100% is perfectly neutral. That means that for any amount of energy that gets transferred into that rear axle, it should not push that suspension up or down. It should stay where it was under the vehicle, under the suspe- uh, under the <laughs> suspension's movement. So, like, if the Jeep is flexed out and you go to put your foot down with it at, you know, 100% anti-squat, it's going to ride the neutral line between put or excessive downward force and the weird performance you get when the ass end dips while you are trying to climb something. Okay, that that is all. Hmm. <sighs> so I think we beat the shit out of anti-squat and anti-dive. Absolutely. Uh, any, well, I I other... will say through all that jumble, I did learn a couple things. So cool. let's go and talk about the front end and how the pan hard bar plays into that because it is essentially your fourth link. And for anyone that doesn't know what a pan hard bar is, that would track be your bar. track bar. Not a pan hard bar, but fuck is this? I I literally did not know what a pan hard bar was. <laughs> Why can't it be a pan soft bar? I don't know. I just well, quote the be. technical term because pan was hard. That's why. Yes, uh, um. generally like a cast iron skillet, if you will. Mm. Um, <laughs> so the angle at which your track bar sits will determine some of your link performance. I found out as an interesting aside, a flatter bar will be less likely to transfer side to side energy into your suspension and also, uh, helps to keep the anti-squat numbers closer to neutral because that does have an effect in addition to the anti-squat and anti-dive numbers for when it pulls the axle side to side and also the angle it's operating at in effects to droop and uh, up travel. That makes sense, though. Interesting. You know, ha- having it flatter allows it to work better. That, that, that makes sense. So yeah, I mean, That's just because you have, as it goes through the travel, it's not changing. It's not moving on that radius at all, yeah. really starting flat and it's only moving i mean you think of a stock vehicle that it, it's not moving up or down that much in normal driving situations so you're never going to notice it this is true um so for on-road use would you rather uh three link or a four link three link 
three link up front, four link in the rear with a track bar because generally you're not running full hydro down the road. If you have a double triangulated setup, it is going to move on a separate axis to your drag link, which will create bump steer because your axle is trying to do one thing and your drag link is not held in the same position. Interesting. So, so is it not a common practice to have a double triangulated four link with a, oh, Jesus, with a uh, steering box and drag link and everything? I know a couple of people that have done that for off-road only vehicles and their steering does a bunch of weird shit. So I would not want to run that down the road at all. Hmm. Interesting. What I imagine would happen if you ran, I've never done it. I've never seen a rig with it. So this is all speculation, but I can tell you exactly how my steering box handles and how it would handle if everything didn't move like it was supposed to with the track bar. If it doesn't move, if the, axle is properly double triangulated in the front right it's going to move pretty it's not going to follow a, a a curved swooping motion right when you flex your jeep out or you drop the suspension all the way out the axle shifts a couple inches one way you're not going to have any of that if you have a double triangulated four link it's just going to go straight down because there's nothing binding it pulling it one way or the other way except for the drag link and if the drag link is the only thing that can keep things moving where it wants it to go, your steering wheel is going to move. So you're going to end up with this crazy bump steer effect, especially on, on big bumps, where your entire steering is just going to just, just get yanked. And it, it's not horrible. It's not pleasant, though. No, it's not pleasant. It's not really great for highway driving or driving in anywhere near one of those concrete walls where there's bumps and, you know, it's pulling you one way or the other and there's cars around you, right? It's just, it's not fun. I've done it. I've tweaked my steering on my Jeep to get rid of some bump steer. And uh, I'm, I'm happy with it. I've got a tiny bit, but it's very manageable. I couldn't imagine not being able to control that because if you don't have a, a track bar, you can't control how that axle's moving mm -hmm. so the uh full hydro works pretty well because it sits on the axle and it keeps the tires located with the direction that the axle was moving under travel which creates some entertaining things like you can hit a bump with full hydro and it's very odd because you don't get the feedback in the steering wheel it just goes down the road that's interesting does so in like an in like a major off-road application, if you were going through like a section of whoops with the full hydro setup at a four-link, would that cause the caster to drastically change as it's rotating through this like the full suspension? So that's another interesting point to bring up. The what causes caster and pinion angle changes because they are the same thing; they just have different results are the length of the upper and lower control arms in relation to each other. If they were the exact same length, your pinion and caster would not change. If the uppers are shorter, if I remember correctly, it rotates the um, pinion towards... Yeah, it'll rotate it down as it goes. It'll rotate right. it down? I thought it rotated it, it up. Down. I'm just trying to... Mm. No, I thought that's why you... Oh, no, you're right. Yep. It rotates it up, and then yep. if it's longer, it rotates it, or it leaves it flat, depending on how much longer it is. If it's excessively longer, supposedly you run into issues, but I've got 33.5 inch long front lowers with a 40 inch upper, and I don't run into issues with the pinion binding the drive shaft. Same. I know mine's pretty excessive as well. And uh, yours isn't as bad. Yours is like three inches, not like seven, if I remember right. Shorter or longer? I can longer. look it up. My upper is, I think it's like five inches. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's almost five inches longer. Eh, mine's like seven and a half, eight. That's all fucking matter. Hey, hey my girlfriend just... likes my five inches, okay? Don't be talking. <laughs> uh, your upper is, is five inches or more longer than your lowers? 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Um, my Mine's rear uppers are the same way. Well, they're not the same way as bad. I think that's uh, the rear uppers are like thirty six, and the lowers are thirty or thirty seven, and the lowers are thirty four. So they're okay. a little bit different, but whatever. It rotates the pinion towards the body. No, I. So no, you're talking doesn't. about your rear forelink. Uh, both of them. They have almost identical link lengths and separation. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, you uh, said. So to correct myself earlier, my lowers are 37, my uppers are 40. So three inches, okay? I'm a little little shorter than I thought I was. Yeah, three <laughs> inches is much. Yeah, mine's excessive up front. Hmm. I made the mistake of moving the mount towards the front side of the truss, and then um, in addition to that, I've just got a like seven and a half inches of separation at both ends. Mm-hmm. So that's excessive. That might be why your Jeep does weird stuff. I mean, not bad weird stuff, just like it, it behaves differently. It definitely behaves differently, and I'm very happy with how it behaves. The only thing that I'm still trying to get a handle on two years later is the fact that it doesn't unload until it's like there's nothing under my front wheels anymore. There's no in-between. It either feels perfectly loaded or it just... it gets really light and sketchy when the nose yeah, comes up. I've been complaining about that, and I still don't understand what you mean. My Jeep just doesn't have that same feeling, so I don't know. It's very weird. You'd have to ride with me for a couple of obstacles to understand what I'm talking about. I have to call it out as it's happening for you to like fully get what I'm talking about. Gotcha. But... Well, I'll look forward to that this summer. Okay. This Hopefully, Jesus. Yeah, hopefully spring. Holy yeah, crap. I got a set of BFG stickies that need to get smoking, and they're already smoked, so they just need to be finished. <laughs> you, you, you can come over to my place, Luke, and do as much smoking as you want. Which type? And as soon as the yes. uh, tires are all set, I or not tires, wow. As soon as the Jeep is all set and the tires are on it, absolutely. I want to run that creek trail again. The, the answer is yes. No, don't you dare fuck up my creek trail. I like it. <laughs> it needs well, to be more aggressive. But, like, huh? I want to go up to the right and go through... Instead of how everyone goes up near the tree, I want to go the other way. Up that um... rock set. Nah. Ooh, that, that'd be entertaining. Is yeah. the creek trail the one that's all the way to the left? Closer yeah. to the house. Yeah, it's it's the closest section to my out. house. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I do have plans for a couple of things at a little bit more to the left. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I think there's definitely some potential on that side. So I know yeah. that we just touched on a lot of like really far out there to the beginning, you know, crowd. Uh, numbers and figures and everything. How about we tie it back into some of the more like bolt-on stuff and when you decide what you're going to build versus buy. Because I know yeah. that... I was I was going to bring us there. Uh, Bolt-on was... suspension... I, if, assuming we didn't lose everybody who uh, doesn't <laughs> have any idea what... or doesn't have any... doesn't care for link suspension talk. Uh, bolt-on lift kits or, you know, pre-built stuff. And we were talking a little bit before that it seems like we see a lot of people who don't have the maybe, I don't want to say critical thinking skills, because I'm sure there's some brain power in there. It's just not being used uh, to determine whether one product is good or the other product is better. Right? It, it for oh man, I'm butchering this. Alrighty, alrighty. So I think what you're talking about isn't so much a lack of brain power sometimes as it is a lack of understanding. For example, if you have something that's packaged really well, but you know, the suspension geometry is off on, you're probably going to get a bad opinion from people that like the way it looks 
Uh, I'm not trying to name any names, but it starts with a C and it has an F in it. I really do not like their cross member because there is not nearly enough link separation on it. Um, oh, I figured it out. Yep. I felt like the Da Vinci Code right there figuring that one out. <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying to figure yeah, it I, out. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have it. It's six letters, three in the start, three in the end, two separate words. <laughs> <laughs> it's it starts with a C. The middle word's got an F in it, <laughs> or the N word's got an F in it. Cav. Oh, oh you really yeah. stuck up there. <laughs> yeah, so I, don't, I don't care about a lot of the manufacturers because, and I don't yeah. even look at. CF, uh, because it, it's just the stuff they sell isn't, isn't it's not uh, for our market, but it's very, no. very well polished, but it leaves a lot to be desired in the category of links. And part of the yep. reason that I, you know, wanted to pull us into this direction is I was thinking about that Creek trail at Kish's. If your links hang low, you hit, it's just the way it is. Some of these bolt on kits look really nice. Like one of the biggest gripes you're going to hear from, Graham and Cody is that their cross member hangs low. It's a great suspension, but your cross member hangs low. Someone that's looking oh, at it looks ugly as sin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but yeah. it works. Other than the fact that it doesn't work for a so the cool part on axle, but that's the only sad. thing that I can't complain too much though is the meeting point of the lowers to the cross, like the cross member is pretty smooth. So if you're gonna hit your cross member anyways, you're already dragging on your link. So yep. it's really I've never really noticed where I'm like super hung up on it, but I haven't really had to back it like backed out. Of it doesn't happen obstacle. often, but when it does, it gets you and you have to somehow lift the body two and a half, three inches to get over the stupid thing. And at that point, you're just winching forward and you're uh, you're done. So <laughs> it sucks. Right. Keep going. Sorry. Sorry. To... <laughs> mm, no problem. But on that particular obstacle we're talking about, part of the reason we're looking at building Kish a setup is we can build him a setup where it's only going to hang two inches down except for right at the link mounts. And where those link mounts are, it's only going to hang an inch lower using some Barnes off-road stuff and some rough stuff Himes. And the cost factor is there. Um... That's a big problem I see with a lot of the bolt-on stuff is the cost factor to me. It's but not that's as... not to say all the bolt-on stuff is, mm -hmm. is bad. There are plenty of, like the Clayton crossmember, a lot of us have run it. We all really like that. Um, the, the Iron Rock 3-Link, I like the idea. I, I haven't seen anybody break it but i'm not sure if that's because it's not being used rough um rudy castiello broke it he did okay i knew somebody he did blew the arms apart yep yeah i figured that would be the weak point because aren't they bent they're bent but he ripped out the weld joint at the end oh yeah yeah however i will say he's probably that's not average kind of usage he's not average usage though no. i feel like he wheels like colin so, if you know Colin, you know he's dumb, and he breaks stuff, and it's always an entertaining time. But, Now, yeah. if you were to suggest a long-arm suspension to somebody, would you try to stress the idea of getting a true three-link and that's not... That's not the point of this conversation. You should be able to determine whether you need the beefiest beef that looks ugly, or if you can handle... Going with something that's a little lighter duty, you know, won't break under normal usage. But if you go, you know, rock bouncing, the thing is going to break. That's that's sort of where I w was imagining this conversation was going to go. Mm -hmm. I, it, yeah, I, I think we can come back and we can hit what Cody's point was, because that was a good point. And it does tie well, into what you're saying. Thank you, Luke. <laughs> Graham. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, t to the average person, when they hear a long arm setup, they're thinking a radius arm. Because that's, oh. to me, that's what I, I didn't realize, like, oh, it's just uh, after a certain, like, X amount of inches, you really start considering it a long arm. To me, when I saw a long arm, it was always, like, radius arm. Which yeah. most bolt-on kits 
are because it really doesn't take that much because you just have to get a cross member that bolts in, which is a super fucking scary. And, mm. and then, and a lot of them don't even suggest having a, uh, stiffeners. They're like, yeah, don't bother. Just bolt it in here, 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 and here into your sheet metal and hope that it holds. That's the well, part that scares the shit out of me. Well, oh, I actually three bolts on each side. It's more than factory. The cross members are generally beefy, even the shitty rough How country. More than factory. Um. So on the they note of the rough factory. country, the rough country kit's actually not bad. It comes with some reinforcements that go into the unibody, and um, that you bolt in there, so it sandwiches it. <laughs> this the one I'm working on doesn't have that. Uh, oh we need to clean boy. It's getting fully welded on before it leaves the shop, but uh, then to take any you know transfer case transmission out, you have to cut it off. So Oof, that's, I, I, it's it's not. I don't know. I don't know. I had okay luck with mine, but mine came with the plates that went into the unibody that I had to drill a couple of holes through my stefaners to get in, but they worked. Mm. See, I um, know this kid's been on like three Jeeps, so I bet you those were lost on Jeep number one. Probably, probably, and yeah. they're a pain in the ass to fish out. Yeah. Um, so what I was kind of alluding to is for somebody who is looking to get a bolt-on kit but doesn't wheel extremely hard, would you stress to them to find a kit that comes with a three-link setup or a radius arm setup? Because to me, a radius arm setup, because A, the thing where they mostly bolt on, not many companies stress the idea of welding them on, but like B, you have two points that are your major, major points. Your lowers are your main supports. If one of those breaks... You're fucked. You know what I mean? See, At least it's like a yeah, but if any of your three-link link mounts but break, the, 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 as well. The it, disperse I, of force is my biggest concern. When you have six points holding your axle to your body, that's a lot more than four. Well, so on that note, though, you bring up an interesting point. If someone were to be like, hey, here's an IRO three-link, or you could have a Clayton long arm, I'm going to take the Clayton long arm just for off-the-shelf components, even if it is a radius arm compared to the IRO 3-link, because I know how abusive I am. But, for your average user, honestly, I'm going to say no. It probably doesn't matter that much. Good to know. Like, if you seriously think about it, your average person on 33s is not going to be caring that much about the performance that their suspension is going to give them when they're in a rock garden, they're going to care more about the feel on the way to work. True. And I mean, you can get the yeah. same exact feel out of a radius arm on the road yep. as you can a three link. Absolutely. I mean, that's a, uh, that's a very fair point, honestly. I, w I agree, but I was going to say something different. If you're going to go and change up the suspension, whether it be a bolt on kit or not, then you should. You should be doing your research and not be just pulling, you know, the first thing that. Yeah, I off. don't disagree with that. And if I'm being honest, you know, I'm trying to steer Kish the same way I steered Cody, just maybe a little bit different because of different reasonings behind what's being done and the time frame on everything. But you should definitely, like, think about what you're going to do. And I like building my stuff. Maybe I'll use a clean cross member. Maybe I'll build a cross member. It depends on my time frame. But I like knowing exactly what I am building and what is going to come out of my shop. I care about that more than I care about it being brand name. But I can understand buying a good brand name like Clayton... Uh, honestly, the Cab Fab kit's not bad at all. It's pretty fucking beefy. I just it don't like their. I didn't, their old one was sketchy. They had one a couple years ago. Did they? Huh. Maybe some other kit, but it was like a piece of two by four with some some brackets welded onto it. It was or not brackets, but like tabs for links. Oh, I, that's that Cab Fab. And if it wasn't, I apologize to to Cab Fab, but. <laughs> I swear, there was some sketchy-ass link uh, pictures going around, and I'm pretty sure a company was selling them. Oh, and whatever you do, avoid Rockslayer. Sorry. 
had to be thrown out there because of the latest Facebook drama that's been hilarious. Um, I mean, if they just... Did you hear me out? Buy their kit, unfuck it, and install it. Right? <laughs> I wonder if you could... <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of unfucking. <laughs> I find that start with nothing. Yeah, it's just unfucking. Yeah, if it's a full builder kit, you're gonna get the. It's gonna be like all weld on shit. You weld on your frame, right? You just tell them you're getting it for a TJ, and you know, you just weld the brackets on where you want them, not where they tell you to put them. I wonder if they even <laughs> come with instructions. Someone so, buy us a Rockstar kit so we can install it on a vehicle. Please. So on that note, I was actually looking at a couple of people that have done some Cherokee stuff, and my interest has been piqued. I've seen a couple of four links similar to what Miguel's buggy has that have been being built recently. Those are fucking cool. What they're doing is they're mounting their upper suspension mounts off of the slider mounts, and they're tying the slider mounts in more heavily to get a double triangulated oh, yeah, front yeah, four length. I've seen That's a couple of those. That's cool actually. as fuck. And it's almost a mid-arm. It doesn't go back as far. No, it doesn't go back as far, but hey, if you're oh, trying yeah, to get 75% of the lengths on the front, yep. it seems like cause, a solid idea. Wouldn't that cause weird suspension rotation, though? Because no. no. Not if because the same spot on each side. Yeah, if they're on the same spot on each side, and if they meet at the same distance from the ball joint on each side, as long as they've got clearance, they will perform the upper function, and then if you need more triangulation, you can build that into your lower links. No, I see what you mean, but I feel like that would definitely cause nope. the axle to swing. Okay, but I mean, if nope. you think about it, if you have two pieces... Okay, I'm wrong then, whatever. <laughs> That's cool, dude. <laughs> Don't let me explain it. I'll shut up. That's fine. Explain your thinking. No, I'm fine. That's fine. Nope. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm fine. It's geometry. All right, we'll, we'll come back to you. We'll come back to you. <laughs> so where are the lowers on those mounted? On those, they're yeah. mounting the lowers off of a cross member. So in the middle? Closer to the middle, together. and they're the tighter part of the triangle. So the upper part is the less wide version mm -hmm. of the triangle. There's more spacing at the upper links generally. Similar to yeah. how my rear is set up, where I've got a decent amount of spacing on my lower links, even though it is a dual triangulated setup, because they come to a similar or they come to form a triangulated point if you will it's not as much angle as if they met in the center as compared to my uppers that locates the axle still though even if you're using the lowers meeting at the center it's the same principle just flipped over on itself mm -hmm. so yeah, I, I i do like the suspension setup on mcgill's buggy uh I, i've been looking at that I saw that like three years ago for the first time. I remember he was explaining how that the triple stick worked to one of my buddies, and it was uh, it was an impressive rig. Stuff like stiffeners, I feel like every, maybe I don't see them as much as I used to, but everybody always, at least around in the club and uh, and maybe in a couple of the XJ groups, you see people asking what stiffeners they should get, and. The ones that weld on. I know, but there's like but there's the answer. There's certain certain kits that are more worthwhile than others, but then if you're thinking about the you know, from a budget standpoint as well, there are other good kits. I know uh, what I used is different than what Luke's got on his Jeep, and I'm pretty sure you guys all have stuff that Luke has on his Jeep because it's stiffener is a stiffener. But there are also some really nice kits that if you weld them on correctly and not poorly, uh, you can, they're really nice, like the hooligans, and I think the king stiffeners are like an up-and-coming one. Everybody likes them. Hmm. I, my my mids really are completely different from everyone else. And your fronts. And my fronts? And your fronts. I have DBM on everything. I like them because they come with decently sized weld holes. They're cheap. They fit good. They're okay. Yeah, I, I have no complaints of mine. 
But I mean, honestly, other than me being a shit welder, that's about it. Like yeah. I mean, the amount of hole, it's really nice because like the thickness of it really complements the um, the unibody where it's not too thick that you're just sitting there like blowing holes in it the whole entire time. And there's enough holes that if you fuck up on one, there's one two inches away, so you know that that section is still solid. And the fitment was really nice, so. Yeah, I've used the HD off-road and the DBMs. Um, I've helped with installing the JCRs, and I forget what else. But How are the JCR uh, ones? I've never used those, or never even seen anybody with those. I think Kish has them. Oh, no. Then maybe I have what are yours? I have, those. I have the dirt-bound front and the iron rock. Yeah. Oh, never mind. I stand corrected. So the only thing that weirds me out about Kish's is that the top where you weld it to is the floor, not the unibody. It's the only thing that's kind of yeah. an interesting big difference that I feel is that still like as structural, I guess. Well, part of the reason that we went with those, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when we were talking about it, it was because we had to redo your floors. So we were going to do the top seam to the unibody when we were doing the floors. Yeah, so, something like that. It, it was to help better tie in the new floors once I got my new floors. Hmm. But that, that's why I went with those, because they, they do, they have a wicked lip. I think it comes up like, I don't know, an inch and a half, yeah. two inches onto the floor. The mid, the mid stiffener? Yeah, yeah, the mids. And this, you did iros? Yeah. Iron huh. rock, yeah. Okay, because my I have the HD. No, I've got the rough stuff uh, midsection, and they have got it's probably like an inch worth of lip, and I, I I couldn't weld it to anything. That's all. I mean, I could have if I ground it down, but it, my floors are rotted out, so it was just gonna burn right through. So that just I didn't weld it. That's gonna be a uh, fixed when I cut my floors out, because I'll be going through all that. But, um, you well, see, poor Graham, SOB. That, that was like the same mindset that I had. But my, my lip is easily double the size of yours. Yeah, huh? Interesting. I didn't realize Iro had that much of a lip on the bottom. It definitely. Oh yeah. I feel like that's not as strong though. To be quite it fair, it can be a good thing though. Uh, I don't know. So it, it really depends on the plans, I guess. So. Kish, correct me if I'm wrong, but we were talking about this, and we were talking about taking, like, one of those center drills and popping holes through the floor to rosette weld the floor to the stiffeners, then weld the floor into the outer panels of the um, unibody for where your rock sliders mount up to tie the floor into the rock slider when we redid all of that with, like, uh, 120 wall thick sheet metal. Yeah, it was some. It was something like that. We we were going to. We we had this crazy plan to like wickedly tie everything together in itself. Yeah, I think we were going to use one eighth sheet metal and do that on the intersection of the frame rail to the where the rock slider mounts. So that way it would be like an eighth of an inch direct tie-in into the slider. Yeah, for where the some, feet something or like that like from the pedal area back behind the driver's seat. Yeah. And then just pop holes down the rest of the way and rosette weld that when we put the rest of the sheet metal back in. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. why we thought it was a good idea, but it still sounds entertaining. <laughs> it's way easier. I, I, I honestly don't remember why we came up with that whole crazy plan, but we did, so I'm going to stick Because we were it. doing it right after Graham took the rock through his floor at Badlands. <laughs> <laughs> no no yeah, still no we had this plan when i ordered the mid stiffeners over a year and a half ago huh when did graham take a rock to the floor Badlands. Well, there was a really pointy rock and nobody was there except for me and colin and richie i think was guiding us through. oh yes and, uh, yes was i was really pointy rock and it got caught in between two of my um uh, what the hell do you call those things? Um, slider supports? Yeah, the slider supports in between my my rocker, essentially. It 
jammed it right in there and it was really pointy like you know pinhead and it just shot right right through my floor next to me on the seat i didn't notice it at the time because there was a lot of other stuff going on but when i got back to camp and you know i realized that the the floor section that was just i didn't even weld it because again the metal in there is all junk it's all covered in like tin foil and you know other factory bullshit <laughs> and it's it's basically not like there's the amount of metal that's left isn't worth welding to so i just rtv'd it i was like no a rock's not gonna get in there right well a rock did get in there and it just pulled that whole section of floor up so it basically inverted itself so i've hammered it down since but it still is like a massive gap right it it doesn't sit right that will be <laughs> another thing that i fix when i take the floor out because it needs an entire redesign but i can see how having a longer lip to keep the pinhead rocks out of your floor if that's how your floor is set up uh would make sense yeah hmm. i am really looking forward to having us back on that trail too grant yeah i'm excited to get everybody on it because i think it was a fun trail once we you know, it would have been funner if we weren't like just trying to explore right we were about to go What's to the, the, re- the you were the very first set of tires on that trail too i know you, you got to keep that yeah. in mind you were first colin was second first rubber ever on that trail yep so you, you had to fight through all the moss and everything. You had to figure out where <laughs> we didn't the do too bad, were. considering we were in a rush. Yeah. <laughs> so what you're saying is that trail was cut with traps in New England. Yes. Fair. Yeah. Curious. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not traps the Chad Crawler really Master Race. <sighs> Well, that's normal. Seriously, the temperature gets over 60 degrees and you're in a fucking t-shirt. Or a fucking not t-shirt tank top. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, you're not wrong on that one. Hey, I'm just happy that it wasn't as hot this past year as it was the year before that. It was disgusting in 2019. So bad. I can't mm. wait for this year's trip because seriously, I think we've hit that at or we've hit on that trail almost every ep- or that entire trip almost every episode. It was great. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorites. Hopefully, yeah. Roush Creek this year will give me the same experience and we can shoot the shit about that one for a whole year. Yeah. <laughs> Roush this year is going to be only, wild. Yeah, it sucks that only a couple of us went past year. And that keeps saying it, but I'll say it again. Trip was just absolutely incredible. Hey, it's called building so tradition. Different. It's Yeah, I know. <laughs> the wheeling is like... You, you picture... Every single park that you have in in Massachusetts and Connecticut, and smash them all together, but space out the hard stuff, and you have Roush Creek, and it's 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 very refreshingly. It's different. fucking insane. And I think on that note, any final thoughts, or you guys want to cut it here? I'm cool with that. Just my my final thought is just that Badlands is probably my one. Big, big trip that I'm planning on this year. Cool. All right, guys. Well, you know, keep a couple spare angle grinder discs around, sweep your shop floor, and we're going to cut it here. <laughs>